0: Republicans gain the advantage in Florida this election season, as other voters say their voices are being suppressed. This is the Florida Roundup from WLRN Public Media in Miami and WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville. I'm Melissa Ross.
1: And I'm Matthew Petty, fighting misinformation and voter intimidation at the polls this election season. Ahead this hour, why Florida has
0: become a more definitively rare state. Also, they're important candidates, but many voters don't even know who they are. A closer look at the judicial races on your November ballot.
1: Join the conversation at 305-995-1800 on the Florida Roundup with your phone calls after the news.
2: I'm Windsor Johnston. President Biden is campaigning for Democratic candidates today in California and Illinois. NPR's Asma Khalid reports the president has been working to energize voters in the final run-up to the midterm elections. The president is delivering remarks at a tech company in Southern California that will benefit from the passage of the CHIPS Act. That's the bill Congress passed this summer to boost semiconductor manufacturing in the U.S. He'll join Congressman Mark Levin, a Democrat who's running in a tight race for re-election. Later, the president flies to Chicago, where he'll participate in a political reception. The White House has dismissed questions about why the president is not traveling more to competitive states in these final days. The White House Insist the president's message is carried beyond state borders and pointed out various officials, such as the First Lady and the Vice President, are campaigning in other states. Asma Khalid, NPR News, traveling with the president. The Labor Department says U.S. employers added 261,000 jobs in October, fewer than a month earlier. NPR's Alina Seljuk reports the latest figures may potentially help the Federal Reserve in its efforts to lower inflation without causing an economic recession. The unemployment rate was 3.7 percent in October, rising from 3.5 percent in September.
3: The labor market has been resilient even as the U.S. economy has slowed down, with about two job vacancies for every unemployed worker, and layoffs are still rare last month some of the biggest job gains were in healthcare, professional and technical services and manufacturing according to the labor department's new report a decline in job growth could help cool off inflation if it takes pressure off employers to keep offering big wage
2: increases alina seljuk npr news new york twitter is expected to notify thousands of employees of layoffs today Billionaire Elon Musk recently finalized his $44 billion purchase of the social media site, saying he plans to shrink the workforce to make it more profitable. Top diplomats from the leading economies known as the Group of Seven are worried about how Ukrainians will get through this winter. NPR's Michelle Kellerman reports ministers say Russian President Vladimir Putin is bombing power plants relied on by millions of people.
0: Europeans fear a tough winter for themselves and worry about their own energy supplies. Um, The Europeans are also talking about a price cap on Russian energy. They want to figure out a way to keep Russian energy flowing without Moscow getting big profits to put back into its war efforts. And none of this is really an easy
2: task. That's NPR's Michelle Kellerman reporting. Stocks on Wall Street are trading lower at this hour. The Dow was down 46 points. You're listening to NPR News in Washington. Both sides in the war in Ukraine appear to be gearing up for a major battle over the occupied southern city of Kherson. NPR's Jason Bobian reports Russian administrators have pulled out of the city and have ordered civilians to do the same.
4: Over the last few days, Russian troops abandoned checkpoints in the streets of Kherson. On Thursday, the Russian flag disappeared from the regional administration headquarters, where it had been flying since Moscow seized the city in February. And Russian-backed bureaucrats have decamped to a city 50 miles away. Ukrainian forces have been slowly advancing on Kherson. Russian President Vladimir Putin reportedly turned down requests from his military commanders last month to retreat from the strategic regional capital, but Putin is now calling for civilians to leave the city. Ukrainian intelligence officials warn that Russia could be laying a trap as they still have well-fortified positions in Kherson and that a battle to retake it could be brutal. Jason Bobien, NPR News, Kyiv.
2: A new report shows that hundreds of animals, including endangered zebras, have died in wildlife preserves in Kenya amid the worst drought in East Africa in decades. A lack of rainfall has taken a severe toll on the areas to the north and south of Kenya, which is also home to the majority of the country's elephant population. The study comes just days before the start of a major United Nations climate conference. Stocks continue to trade lower on Wall Street. The Dow was down 34 points, the Nasdaq down 57. This is NPR News.
5: Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Paychecks. The Paychex team of professionals and compliance specialists work to help businesses automate all Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com.
0: Welcome to the Florida Roundup. Thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville.
1: And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. Well, this week, election supervisors in Central Florida warned of misinformation and voter intimidation.
6: We've had some in Volusia County where um, campaigners and candidate supporters are very passionate about who they're supporting and what they believe in. And that's all well and good, but when you start attacking people that are coming in, even verbally, to vote, and trying trying to discourage them or scare them from coming in to vote because they're worried about their safety, that's a problem. And we have had that at uh, two of our early
7: voting sites.
1: That's the voice of Mm -hmm. Volusia County Supervisor of Elections, Lisa Lewis, speaking at a press conference held by Supervisors of Elections in Orlando this
0: week. Concerns about voter intimidation, the safety and security of elections, and... Low turnout are the hallmarks of this election season here in Florida. Supervisors of elections are urging voters to use trusted sources of information about the voting process, like them, like the supervisors themselves, and not believing everything you see online or on social media. So, folks, you know, early voting's underway around the state. We want you to give us a call right now on the Florida Roundup. Let us know if you voted already. How was your experience at the ballot box? What are you seeing at polling locations out there? Maybe you're going to wait till election day to vote. Whatever your voting plan, give us a call right now. Here on the Florida Roundup, live across the state, the number 305-995-1800 or tweet us at Florida Roundup.
1: Well, joining us now is Joe Burns, reporter with WMFE in Orlando. Joe, thanks for being here.
8: Oh, glad to be here.
1: So you covered that press conference with Central Florida elections officials on Tuesday, just a week out from Election Day. What are some of the issues they are reporting at polling places?
8: Right. Well, the the big reason they came together was to ask people to get out and vote early. So one of the things they're seeing is that people just aren't showing up. Um, And one of the reasons for that, at least in Volusia County, um, the supervisor, Lisa Lewis, says, is that there's misinformation out there, a group saying that you, can, you should only vote on election day, that those are the only valid votes. And that's discouraging people. She thinks that a lot of those people will show up on election day and vote. But of course, they keep saying, the vote's secure. All of these votes count the same. So vote early if you can, for your convenience. Um, they're also talking about voter intimidation. And this is... Basically, groups of people outside the polling place, probably the 150 feet outside, but so that as people Mm -hmm. are coming in, they're being harassed uh, by people who are accusing them of, you know, their party of being liars or um, that type of thing. Verbally harassing, not physically, what they're saying.
1: Right. And you mentioned that 150 metre exclusion zone, but it does sound from what we heard from Lisa Lewis earlier and your description of what they were saying at the press conference that uh, things are getting quite heated at some polling locations. One of the supervisor elections, uh, as you mentioned, talked about low turnout uh, and drew that line between low turnout and misinformation. What are we hearing about where they're telling people they should go for information? Because... You know, there have been election supervisors said, look, all social media should be avoided. Just go to people you trust, including ourselves, i.e. the election supervisors. What what did you hear uh, them saying at this press conference?
8: I heard especially a Lake County supervisor, Alan Hayes, really going after misinformation on social media. He's not really criticizing. In fact, he made it a point of praising the Orlando Sentinels coverage of uh, election issues. And of course, the WMFE, we try real hard to give very accurate information that helps voters make sound decisions. But mm-hmm. on social media, you know, he sees a, a big problem. The The solution, he says, is to go to, to call or visit the Supervisor of Elections uh, website, and that they're the ones with the real information.
1: Right. And Alan Hayes has been outspoken uh, ever since 2020, I want to say. And you've been covering uh, some of what he said about elections leading up to this. It's, he's pretty much waging his own campaign, information Indeed. campaign, pushing back against misinformation. But he basically says misinformation is just a, a long way of saying it's a lie. So uh, is that something you're starting to hear other supervisors of elections echo as well?
8: Yes, the other supervisors of elections also stress. Don't pay any attention to that stuff you're hearing on social media. Go to our website, call us, or ask an election official um, at the Supervisors of Elections Office or at the poll. Um, Yeah, Alan Hayes has been incredible on this. and He's a conservative Republican, former Republican state senator, and his own party in Lake County has gone after him, and he's gone right back at them for, especially as he sees it, maligning his staff. He's very defensive mm-hmm. about that.
1: Just thinking too, Joe, about some of what you do see around campaign season. You've done a lot of reporting up in the Villages area. People uh, get uh, fairly involved in the campaigns. They deck out their golf carts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your sense of the, the mood leading into this election? Is there some of that uh, people taking things a little too far, as one of the election supervisors described? What, 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 how are people feeling going into this?
8: You know, I am not seeing the the just massive, widespread kind of outpouring of political activity that we saw around the presidential election. I actually think it's a smaller group of intense, uh, um, you know, advocates on on some of these issues that 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 we're seeing. It's it's not nearly the scene that we saw Matt during the presidential election.
1: Speaking with Joe Burns, reporter at WMFE. Stay with us, Joe. Sure.
0: And give us a call, Florida, 305-995-1800. Patty in Fort Pierce. Hey, Patty, what's your early voting experience like?
9: Well, I vote by mail because I'm an old lady with disabilities. And I
6: love it because I can do my vote. I can track it online mine has already been accepted and counted. And I think vote by mail is the
9: way to go.
0: All right, Patty, glad to hear you had a smooth experience. We'll take a few more calls in a minute here live statewide on the Florida Roundup. But first, let's go to Mark Early. He's president of the Florida Supervisors of Elections and also supervises elections in Leon County. Hey, Mark.
4: Hey, good afternoon. How are you doing, Melissa?
0: I'm well, and so good to have you on the show. So uh, as we just heard, some of your colleagues in Central Florida say they've seen some instances of voter intimidation. But overall, uh, we aren't hearing widespread reports of problems. What are you hearing from your members, the supervisors of elections from around the state? And if there are any issues of voter intimidation, how are they how are they dealing with that?
4: Well, uh, yeah, I think any reports of voter intimidation uh, should be kept in perspective, Uh, as Mr. Burns was saying, it appears to be isolated. Uh, I would say it's certainly outside of the 150 foot boundary for no solicitation around the polling sites. And I would say that supervisors of elections take that seriously. Uh, There are strong statutes to uh, uh, punish in voter intimidation of any sort, whether it's around the polling place or not. Uh, So we're watching it, uh, but I I don't want voters to uh, become overly concerned that mm-hmm. a, a visit to a polling place might become an encounter that uh, you know they don't want to have. Sure, voting should be a, a a celebration of our democracy.
0: Absolutely right. Now let me ask you, Mark, how concerned are you and your colleagues about misinformation and frankly lies about the safety and security of our elections? people incorrectly believing, for example, that the 2020 election was stolen. Uh, Florida in particular ran a really tight, clean election in 2020. The state had made so many improvements and and changes since the uh, really bad experience of the 2000 recount. So how are election supervisors responding to bad information and, and disinformation?
4: Well, I think we're trying to take a proactive uh, role in that. Certainly uh, mis and disinformation are really the, the largest problems we're facing right now. Uh, I think there's some very irresponsible folks out there in social media or uh, in, in certain isolated pockets uh, of the standard media that are using their platforms to spread information they know uh, is, is incorrect. I agree with uh, Re- Supervisor Hayes, uh, ex-Senator, Alan Hayes, uh, his assessment that these are just plain out lies. Unfortunately, they're coming from folks that can normally be considered uh, trustworthy and folks are buying into it. It's a shame.
0: It is a shame. And what's the net effect of this on your membership? Uh, These these spotty instances of intimidation, people who aren't getting good information how does that affect you and your colleagues? Because it's your job to restore confidence in the voting process and make f- people feel comfortable about casting their ballot.
4: It is our job and I think we've, as you mentioned, uh, 2000 uh, is uh, an election year that lives in infamy here in Florida but we use that as a, as a uh, motivational uh, point to improve our game and I think not only in Florida but across the nation, elections are much more professional Uh, we've got great training, we've retained great people for long careers, that, you know, that institutional knowledge is something that you you can't just go out and replace easily. And you asked about the uh, implications of the myths and disinformation, and really the stress surrounding all of that uh, for election workers. Around election time, it's already a stressful time, because, you know, we work very, very long hours. But uh, I think after the come the 2024 election cycle, you're going to see a big drop-off uh, in some of the uh, members of our association, our supervisors of elections, running for office. I think you're going to lose that institutional knowledge, and I think that's that bodes poorly for elections.
0: That's certainly discouraging to hear, because we need trained professionals managing our elections and poll workers and volunteers too—people who are willing to come out and volunteer to help the process—has has that become more difficult?
4: Absolutely. Uh, retaining our long-serving uh, poll workers—that's had a. Uh, there's been a dramatic drop off in that. Uh, we've replaced many here in Leon County. I think uh, down south, I've heard that the problem is is much uh, worse as far as he, just getting enough poll workers to man every polling site. Uh, There's been some consolidations, and that's just a a problem that just seems to be getting worse.
1: Speaking with Mark Early, president of the Florida Supervisors of Elections and uh, election supervisor in Leon County, talking about the voting process so far, this election, you can give us a call. Tell us how your voting experience has gone. 305-995-1800 is the number. Send us a tweet, we're at Florida Roundup. Let's go to Kia. Uh, Kia in Orlando, I believe. You're on the air.
9: Yes, um, I had a wonderful uh, voting experience. My We're in Orlando, and my husband voted, my early voted in person. I early voted in person, so did my adult daughter, and mm-hmm. it was through the
1: that's that's great uh thanks for your call kia uh mark you mentioned earlier that voting should be a celebration of democracy that sounds like what we're getting from uh our listener here kia does that kind of uh echo what you're seeing or what you're hearing from uh, other uh sites around the state or what you sort of think uh elections should be a celebration where everybody can do it and it's a family occasion and it's easy to do
4: matthew absolutely uh and I think that's the overwhelming experience that all voters uh, uh, feel when they go to vote, even uh, in the primary election and throughout early voting, as it's been uh, being conducted here the last week and a half or so. Uh, so I, I think we need to just keep it in perspective. Let's not add to the MDM by making voters even more worried. So uh, about going to vote, you can go you can vote. It's safe. Your ballots will be counted, and again, it should be a very heartwarming and celebratory experience for you, and I think that's what all voters, uh, for the most part, are seeing.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's go to Jimmy now in Avon Park. Jimmy, you're on the air.
9: Thank you, my friend. Um, democracy is on the ballot, mm-hmm. and the, go- the present governor is a Trump wannabe. Also, Today uh, in New York, I believe there's four cases against Trump hmm. in, in the courts. And, let, uh, let me
1: let me ask you, Jimmy. Sorry to cut you off, but did you have you voted so far in this election?
9: I voted by I, um voted by mail, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's uh and and if I wait till Friday. To vote by mail, it doesn't get there until ten days after election day. Right. So, so be be aware of that. You gotta drop it off at the voter place and your mm-hmm. election office. If you're mailing your ballots today or tomorrow, drop mm-hmm. it off. Yep. Because uh, ten days after elections.
1: Right. The, get the, the the ballot. Yes. Okay, so that the uh the messages get those those ballots in early as early as you can. Jimmy, thank you so much for your call. Uh, Mark, anything to add to that? Uh Jimmy's point about if you're voting by mail, make sure you, you get it in, in in good time.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. First I'd like to thank Jimmy for voting, uh but he makes a great point about the mail ballots. At this point uh, of course, vote by mail is a very very secure way to vote, but I would not necessarily try and put your ballot in the mail right now it, it's it's kind of close to the election the post office says give at least five to seven days for about to to be received by your elections office and we have to have all ballots into our hands by 7 p.m on Tuesday election evening so mm-hmm. the best way at this point to vote by mail is to either drop it off at one of the uh, secure ballot intake stations at every early voting site in the state has these or to your local elections office. Uh, That way you're sure that it's being received uh, right into the hands of uh, your local elections officials.
0: Calls coming in from all over the state here this Friday on the Florida Roundup as we talk about voting this election season. Gina in Jacksonville, hi Gina, go ahead.
6: Hi there, Um, I did do my early voting in person in downtown Jacksonville as supervisor of elections. And it was a wonderful experience. Um, I personally was not as prepared as I should have been. But I did have my cell phone. So I was able to look up the, um, the judge uh, candidate so I could say yay or nay.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, I, I am very sad to see elections becoming controversial and all the violence. And I hold our political leaders accountable for that. Specifically, I heard a statement from Ron DeSantis the other day calling out, um, it was during the debate, that he was going to put, Charlie Crisp was the only old goat he was going to put out to pasture. And, you know, you may, that sounds like a middle school child comment, but any comments like that shouldn't be tolerated. And in my mind, that's ageism. I'm over 50, and I don't appreciate people making comments like that. I'd love to see some integrity come back uh, to politicians and um, have people denounce name-calling um, and all And the Gina,
0: that- I, I, I'm sure you're not alone in that sentiment. Uh, I want to thank you and, and everyone who called in, uh, whatever your political persuasion Get out and vote, folks. And I want to thank Joe Byrne, uh, WMFE, uh, for being with us, uh, Joe Burns and Mark Early, president of the Florida Supervisors of Elections, also runs elections in Leon. Gentlemen, thanks so much for touching base with us in this really historic midterm with so much interest. We really appreciate you both sharing your time here statewide to our radio audience around Florida. Thanks.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Coming up next, Republicans outpace Democrats in early
1: voting. One new sign of Florida's more definitive shift from purple to red. That's when the Florida Roundup continues from Florida Public Radio.
5: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Florida family-owned and operated since 1936, and a proud supporter of public radio. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, always be celebrating.
0: Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. Thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa, Well, as of Thursday,
1: more than three and a half million Floridians had already voted in the midterm elections and in an ominous sign for Democrats, more than 200,000 more registered Republicans than Democrats have cast a ballot. By this point in the 2020 election, registered Democrats had the advantage over Republicans in early votes cast.
0: Yeah, that's right, Matt. Now, even in the traditionally blue stronghold of Miami-Dade County, Republicans are voting early or by mail this midterm in higher numbers. Now, it's another piece of evidence in Florida's shift over time from a purple to a red state. It does spell trouble for Democratic candidates this election. So we decided to take a look at this. What's motivating Republicans to get out and vote? What's holding back Democratic turnout and registration? We want to hear from you, everybody. Are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Are you an independent or MPA voter? Give us a call as we talk about voting patterns in Florida and why the state is getting redder. Statewide, the number's live now. 305-995-1800. Tweet the show at Florida Roundup as we welcome two reporters covering the state's turn to the right. Stephen Lemangello covers politics at the Orlando Sentinel. Hey, Stephen. Nice to be here. Good to have you. And Ana Ceballos state government reporter with the Miami Herald. Hi, Anna.
10: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Anna. let's start with you. You know, Florida has been trending to the right for some time. In South Florida, though, the trend has recently really accelerated. What's driving that?
10: So that has been uh, one of the most notable signs, right? I mean, we know that for the first time in state history, Republicans are coming into Election Day with this voter advantage. As you mentioned earlier, it's about 300,000 thousand voter registration advantage over Democrats. Um, but in Miami-Dade, for example, which is a the state's most, most populous county with about 72% of the population being Hispanic, um, we are seeing that the economy is driving a lot of the turnout and the interest for voters. And it's not just Republicans, but also some Democrats and independents who are leaning Democratic on social issues are seeing more of an appeal for Republican candidates because the economy is Mm -hmm. so important to them. And normally, you know, Democrats tend to bank a voting advantage ahead of a wave of Republican voters that generally tend to show in larger numbers on election day. But as of today, we are seeing that 27,000 more Republicans have voted early than Democrats in the county. Mm-hmm. So that is just not a good sign. Uh, in addition to polling showing that, you know, that there's even some Democrats who are willing to vote for Republicans because of the economy, just the sheer numbers of it is is is, is pretty much spelling a, a gloomy outcome for this election year for, for Democrats.
0: So what are the Republicans doing right on the ground, particularly in Miami-Dade, but around the state? And where are the the Democrats falling short in terms of their messaging and their get out the vote?
10: So Republicans have been able to register more voters in pretty much the majority of the counties in the state. In Miami-Dade, for example, we have seen um, the Republican Party making huge gains in Hispanic communities, again, not just republicans but hispanics who are democrats hispanics who are independents and who and independents are such a key voting block in in that county because you know that they don't identify with either party so they're they can be swayed by either one and right now it's really an infrastructure issue for democrats they just do not have the money or the infrastructure to compete with Republicans. And what we've seen in Miami-Dade, for example, it's their Republicans are really playing the long game. We have seen the RNs, the Republican National Committee hosting um, or having staff host uh, citizenship uh, clinics where you know Hispanics who cannot vote yet are you know shown how to become a citizen. And by the time that they are a citizen in the long term, they register Republican because they received so much help and were involved in the process early on. Mm. Let's talk
0: for a bit about people who are NPA, independent. That's a big chunk in Florida. And there's been a surge in those registrations, as you've mentioned. So a sizable and swing voting block in Florida doesn't want to be with either party, but they tend to lean one way or the other, don't they, a lot of them?
10: You sorry, still... is that a question for me or for... Yeah, go ahead, Anna. <laughs> go ahead, Anna. Oh, so, so sorry about that. Um, yes, I mean, right now, again, it is it is a, it could be a swing vote, but they are leaning uh, at least. Uh, more than a quarter of them according to recent polling and polling is not always the most reliable but we are seeing a lot of independents who again do not identify with either the republican party or democratic party but the economy with inflation with everything that is going on right now with president joe biden not being a popular president it is almost like a referendum on what his agenda is on the economic side a lot of democratic leaning people still agree With the democratic party on social issues a little bit more according to this several polls that we've seen in recent weeks but again like it's it has not been enough to sway them in in a vote when the economy is impacting everyone it's a pocketbook issue that everyone's talking talking about you know the cost of cereal every gas everything is just the daily life is just impacted so the economy right now is front and center for a lot of the people who can be swayed
1: Florida Roundup, we're talking with Ana Ceballo, state government reporter with the Miami Herald. Also with the Stephen Jallo Politics Editor with the Orlando Sentinel. Talking about the shift, the redwood tint of Florida. I want to hear about your thoughts on this too. Which way are you voting or leaning? The number is 1-800, uh, 305 rather, 995 mm. That's three zero five nine nine five eighteen hundred. 1800 Send us a tweet as well. Uh, We've got a tweet coming in. From Skinny McGee, who writes to the Florida Roundup, Democrats, Democrats have done a terrible job conveying the fact that inflation is a global issue, not isolated to the U.S. or caused by Biden slash Democrat spending. The U.S. hit 10.7 percent in October. This should have been front and center. So the economy really hitting home for some voters there. Uh, Steve, let me bring you into this conversation. Um, you've reported on a shift in voting trends that started way back in 2020. What changed then and what was that shift?
7: Yeah, as you mentioned in the uh, beginning, uh, Florida used to be the most famous swing state, the I-4 corridor, of course, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, sw- the swingiest part of the swingiest state. But it seems that, uh, you know, one hint was that, you know, 2018 was a Democratic blue wave. And yet in Florida, you saw DeSantis win, you saw Rick Scott win. Uh, it sort of was a hint of where, of where Florida was going. You saw more of that in 2020. Uh, even though just you know despite you know democratic efforts uh, to try to win back the state like Obama did that uh, just went even further towards towards Trump. So it seems that yeah, it is becoming more of a red state than a purple state. Uh, a lot of reasons for that, just a lot of retirees you know coming in from uh, other states. some of the more it, s- it seems especially with DeSantis he seems to be sort of invite, well, at least until recently he sort of joked that he wants people to stop coming to the state now, but mm-hmm. at least until recently he's sort of like welcoming you know if, if you feel, you know, out of place in, you know, the liberal Northeast or whatever, you know, coming down here to Florida and you'll be welcomed, you know, obviously, you know, offering, you know, sort of, you wanted cops, you know, from the Northeast who didn't like, you know, you know COVID vaccine mandates to come down to Florida. It seems a sense of like, it seems, and you see like the villages become one of the, one of the biggest, you know, areas, you know, for Republicans in the area. It seems like, just Republican voters in general are just sort of the doors open to them in Florida. And you're seeing more and more of that. And these sort of um, younger, more, uh, you know, ethnically diverse uh, demographics that Democrats thought would help them in the states going forward, mm-hmm. you know, does not seem to be, you know, averaging that out.
1: Right. Let's get some calls in here. Uh, John uh, with us from Apopka. John, what's on your mind?
5: Hey, good afternoon. Yeah. I was just calling in as an independent voter in Florida and talking about voting registration and voting turnout. For me, apathy is the biggest thing I struggle with.
7: And the previous mm-hmm. caller spoke to integrity and leaders. And for me, I've been you know, thinking about honor and people that are political philosophy and don't just want a name call, don't just want to divide people over issues that aren't speaking to the root of the problems we're facing as a society. And For me, it's just with the struggles of daily life, it's hard to maintain my motivation and my will to be active and involved When it feels like such an
1: uphill battle Mm -hmm. John, thanks so much for your call I appreciate that Uh, So divisive politics really uh, The thing that's giving that voter some pause I guess Uh, Steve, uh, what do you make of that And and how does that factor into something uh, An issue like the Democrats Trying to rouse uh, voters and, and, And really motivate their base and get them out What are you seeing in Central Florida In terms of Uh, enthusiasm or the counter to that apathy
7: yes it seems that you know apathy uh among and that seems to be the case for midterms uh the you know several um uh you know election officials here had a a press conference earlier this week saying like early voting numbers are just incredibly low compared with four years ago in, in midterms and that's even you know for midterms where it seems like a lot of people you know they come out to vote for president and they just don't you know, for whatever reason, you know, come out in the midterm elections every, you know, every, you know, every two years. So you're seeing a lot of that. Democrats, it's just, it's just very difficult for them. And you know, and the caller talked about, you know, divisiveness. Is is it, you know, I mean, you know, to be fair, a lot of people would say that, you know, a lot of what DeSantis has been saying in terms of like rhetoric and things like that has, you know, could be considered, you know, divisive. But you know, Democrats are really not, you know, get making any you know, gain ways When it comes to you know criticism of that, then it's seems, you know, then it's you know, essentially people say, oh well, you know, everyone's being divisive. You know, it, it seems that you know Democrats really don't have a handle on how to take on DeSantis. You know, for being you know, you know what they say is divisive. But At the same time, a lot of people either really aren't paying attention, or they just look and see, well, things seem okay in, in Florida right now. I guess I'll just you know, either not vote or, or vote for the incumbent. You know, that sort of message of DeSantis being divisive is really not doesn't seem to be working for the Democrats right now. So it's and and with the national um, atmosphere of you know people being angry at uh, Joe Biden over the economy, it's just mm-hmm. really not does not look like it's working right now for the Democratic Party in Florida.
1: Just quickly, Steve, uh, Anna was talking about Miami-Dade and how that um, traditionally Democratic uh, area has been sort of chipped away by Republicans. Are you seeing something similar happen in central Florida? Are there some areas where Democrats could have counted on votes in the past, not maybe seeing so much support now?
7: One of the biggest uh, surprises of 2018 and 2020 is how well Republicans did in Osceola County, which is the heart of the Puerto Rican community in Florida. It was expected after Maria that... uh, the huge influx of people from puerto rico you know would help out democrats even though you know most most of them are npas uh they tended to vote democratic but you, you didn't really see that there was a big eating away of the democratic vote there in, in uh, osceola you saw that mm-hmm. for both uh, rick scott and descent rick scott most of all in um, 2018 but also donald trump in um, 2020 and you're sort of seeing that now despite the fact that it is a big democratic stronghold there's about you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred more Republicans have voted early than Democrats down there. Mm. Uh, you're seeing the same sort of thing in Seminole. Seminole was always a rock ribbed. It was always mm-hmm. the, the joke was the rock ribbed Republican county for such a long time. But it was won by Andrew Gillum in 2018, and it was run. Mm. By, it was won by Biden in uh, 2020, and yet uh, right now in Seminole is almost. Um, Good five or six thousand more Republicans who have voted early. So mm-hmm. these places that, that seem to have been shifting blue are really not uh, right now, at the moment.
0: And you're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. Lots of calls. Fanny in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Fanny, good morning or good afternoon. Go ahead.
9: Hello. Good afternoon.
6: Um, I just, wanted to, I just well, I wanted to stick to it. I made a plan. I said, I'm going to vote today. I, uh, I researched what websites are close to work, and I just voted. But I just wanted to um, point that one of the things that I have amazed, amazed me this time is how strict the streets before art right now. Like, I was called a freak because somebody asked me if I was going to vote for detectives, and I said, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I don't think so. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, somebody called me a freak because I, I like the freak, like the uh, liberal. And I, I don't consider myself a
0: liberal, or I, I, don't, consider, I don't consider myself a disease. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, F- Fanny, thank you. Thanks for calling. Let's go back to Anna Ceballos with the Miami Herald. Anna, what about this? Some voters are concerned about a climate of what they view as political extremism in the state, but not just in Florida. You know, just the other day in Jacksonville, we had a rash of anti-Semitic hate speech displayed all over the city uh, during the Georgia-Florida tourism weekend. We've got a hot bit of extremist and hate groups uh, in this state. That is well known. That is also uh, causing some anxiety and alarm in this election season anna
10: that is definitely something that we have heard on the ground and again that's being anecdotal because it's it's not a scientific poll or anything but it is a common pattern that has emerged among specifically democrats who fear that the republican party is maybe um allowing by not condemning, they're allowing for for these extremist views to fester within the party, and they're concerned that it could get worse, right? If 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 they win by a pretty decisive victory or mandate, and one of the things that it's been noticeable here with just the, in the general election, the midterm elections, is that both parties. You know, while, while there is concern mostly among some Democrat voters about extremism in the Republican Party, Republicans are focused on a message that demonizes and pretty much uh, casts the left as extremists as well. So there is concern as well from Republican voters who see, you know, that the social issues embraced by some Democrats as the, changing the way of life for for them. What has been traditionally you know, the United States is going to be um, evolving with more progressive viewpoints in -hmm. in ways that are fueling some of these culture wars that we have seen DeSantis embrace. And I always say that DeSantis is a very strategic um, governor. So he doesn't really push for policies that he does not know will be successful yeah. or will not be embraced by his own base. And of, of
0: course, the governor is holding a rally before the election. So is former President Donald Trump, by the way, in another part of Florida. I want to thank both of you for joining us with your insights. Stephen Lemangello, politics editor at the Orlando Sentinel, and Ana Sabios, state government reporter with the Miami Herald. Thanks, guys, to you both. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you.
1: Still to come on the Florida Roundup, we'll be talking about the judicial races on the Florida ballot, what will voters see when they go to mark their ballots, and how you can talk through some of those issues and make your decision. That's when the Florida Roundup continues from Florida Public Radio.
5: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can visit 125 stores throughout Florida or shop online at abcfws.com.
0: Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. Thanks for being with us. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. Well, they are
1: some of the most influential officials in the state, and you, the voters, have a say in whether they stay in office. But most of us know very little about the judges who are on the ballot.
0: That's right, the judges, particularly the judges on the Florida Supreme Court. But not just them. Here's the good news. We've got a very handy guide for you to read before you head into that voting booth and vote up or down on some of these... Justices, the people sitting on the bench wearing the robes that (laughs) have a big impact on our lives. Reporter Claire Heddles of JAX Today has done a very deep dive into all of the judicial races on your ballot, and she joins us now in studio. Hey, Claire.
3: Hi, thanks for having me. It's great
0: to have you, and I recommend everybody look at this article at jaxtoday.org that really educates you about these races. Tell us about all of the judicial races this midterm. What will voters see when they go to mark their ballots?
3: There are two types of judicial races they'll see on their ballots. There's the merit retention vote. That's for higher court appointed judges. And then there's lower level elected judges. So all Florida voters will see five of the seven Supreme Court justices on their ballot who are up for merit retention vote. And then depending on where you live, you'll see district courts of appeal judges um, up for merit retention vote as well. So in merit retention votes... The judge was appointed by the governor, and then the public cast a vote every six years, yes or no, to keep them in the seat. And that's really the only opportunity the voters have in in saying who is on appellate courts or in the state Supreme Court. And then lower-level county and circuit court judges, those are nonpartisan elected roles. So like other nonpartisan races in Florida, it's blanket primaries during the primary, and then the top two vote-getters face off. Almost all of those were decided in the primaries or were unopposed. I think there's three circuit judge races. Um, So most of the judges races Mm -hmm. you'll see on your ballot are the merit retention vote, which is the yes or no vote, should they stay on the bench. Should they stay
0: or should they go? Of course, the the races getting the most attention are the justices on the state's highest court, the Florida Supreme Court. They have weighed in on a number of hot button issues in Florida in recent years, and they've Moved sharply to the right. So tell us about these justices.
3: The Florida Supreme Court has a pretty solid conservative majority right now, and the court has shifted to the right over the past decade with her last three Republican governors and you know those those people they've appointed in the seat, solidifying that that conservative majority. So a couple of the two of the five are recent DeSantis um, appointments who are going up for their retention vote for the first time. That's Justice Grosshands and Justice Curiel. This is the first time they rang up for retention vote. They were both nominated by DeSantis, and they both declined to take up a challenge to the DeSantis redistricting maps and voted to keep it in lower courts. And then the other two were both—two other conservative-leaning justices were nominated by Governor Crist when he was Republican governor, now, of course, Democratic candidate for governor this election cycle, And then Justice LaBarga, who's probably the most moderate justice currently on on the Supreme Court, who was also nominated by by Christ. Now, at jackstoday.org, you try to educate people about how these
0: judges think and the types of rulings they might be inclined to make, because it can be
3: hard to get that information, right? Right. Florida has had this merit retention system for upper-level judges since the 70s, and part of that was to take out the potential for corruption, in our judicial races so that judges weren't beholden to their financial donors or to people that elect them in the same way that, that other elected positions are because they're making these judicial decisions. Mm-hmm. So they don't campaign in the same way at all as, as, other, as other races, so it can be harder to find information. So in our guide, that's at jackstoday.org vote, or most NPR member stations in Florida, I think have it now as well, we went into who nominated them, what some of the key decisions have been, and then if they've been tapped by—one of them, um, I think it's Kennedy, was tapped by Trump as a potential nominee for the Supreme Court, so you can get kind of an idea of what politicians think their ideology mm-hmm. aligns with these justices. And then we've also included Florida Bar poll results, which are you know what their colleagues think of working with these justices. In addition to the redistricting
0: case, what would be another big recent example of how the Supremes have affected all of us here in Florida?
3: The state Supreme Court and the district courts of appeal absolutely have a big say in how new Florida laws are implemented, how and when they're implemented. I mean, that includes everything from how parental rights and education and Stop Woke are being implemented in schools how they're carried out, you know, they're they're the ones making decisions about challenges to those laws. Um, We could see legislation on the death penalty in Mm -hmm. coming months, and that might come up again in in courts. So, I mean, anything that's coming out of the legislature, especially if it's controversial, ends up in these courts, and these are the ones making the decisions and and how it plays out in the state. Abortion.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, abortion is another big
3: one. Absolutely.
1: You're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio, talking with Claire Heddles of Jack's Today about judicial retention at the very end of the ballot and what you need to pay attention to. Um, let's take a call. Let's go to Joseph in Port Ritchie. Joseph, you're on the air.
9: Hello there. i am listening to your, your guest. Uh, she stole a lot of my lines where I'm
7: thinking, I went. Not as extensively as she, but I went to the effort of looking at these judges, who, who nominated them, who appointed them, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the question on the ballot was, should they be retained? Could they get another one? And it would be like if they gave me the shot at saying, should Thomas and Alito and Barrett and Kavanaugh, et cetera, be retained on the Supreme Court, the answer would be no. Look at them. I <laughs> mean, look at the answers that these people, you know, give to the simplest of logical questions and uh, you get them out of there as quick as you could so that's hmm. my research as well as, as what the lady just said
1: Thanks for your call Joseph uh, so our listener there kind of looking for some evidence of sort of how they rule, they rule in ideology but it's it's not always easy is it Claire Heddles, to kind of figure that out because there are some rules restricting what justices or judges can and can't say in campaigns right I wonder if you just talk us through that a little bit
3: Right, right. As I said a moment ago, they they don't campaign in the same way. They don't need to fundraise. And because they're not elected to the role, since they're appointed by a nominating commission and then appointed by the governor, really the merit retention vote is the only time that the voters have a say. And there are ethics rules determining how they can, they don't, they don't really talk Mm -hmm. about their ruling. So all we have is how they've acted in the past. And They don't always have a say in what cases they took up. So we tried to point to a few rulings that might indicate where they stand on different controversial issues or rulings that were um, hot button or newsworthy at the time. But it is it is sometimes hard to tell where they stand and you have to take the indicators of who nominated them or there's a couple um, district courts of appeals judges that are part of the Federalist Society, which is a libertarian, conservative-leaning organization. So that can give you some indication on ideology. But
0: mm-hmm. but without your guide, people, you know, Matthew, people would just be in the dark. And I was kind of wondering, mm-hmm. you know, I bet a lot of people, they, they go into the booth, they vote for the few races at the top of the ticket. They leave those judicial ballots blank. A lot of them probably do
3: because they don't know. And I think the history of the merit retention vote confirms that suspicion in that, no judge has ever lost a merit retention vote. So it would be a very big sign to the governor, to the state, if one of his picks or one of the other Supreme Court justices lost a merit retention vote or an appellate appellate judge, because in the fifty years we've had this merit retention vote in place, no judge has ever lost it. So it would be a statement to the direction the court is moving for, for It would a be judge.
0: remarkable, Matthew, what yes she's saying if, if if enough people voted uh, no on retaining these judges, that would be—it's uh, not expected, <laughs> yeah, but that it, would would it would certainly be remarkable.
1: Right, and the, the other thing too. I mean, just sort of if you go through that list that you've you've laid out there, Claire, and, and look at what the uh, you know the the bar associations poll indicates. I don't think any of them indicate that, that any of these justices should go. Right, so that sort of gives you an idea of. The leaning of the of the people in the judicial field, what they think of the of these justices,
3: right? And the poll results that we cited were judges who are colleagues, attorneys, people in the Florida bar that indicated that they knew a lot about the judge. They also had um, retention poll resort results from people in the bar that said they didn't know much about the judge but cast cast a ballot anyway. So you could look at both of those two and compare them. But I think you're accurate that in Uh, all the polls, I don't know if there were any judges that the Florida Bar voted against retaining. Hmm. And it's worth noting also that if one of these judges loses their merit retention vote, it will be the governor who uh, appoints the replacement. He would appoint the replacement. Based on polling, that will likely be DeSantis.
0: Yeah, so that's Hmm. also helpful to know. But again, it's jackstoday.org jackstoday.org slash vote so you can study up on these races on your ballot. The judicial race is very important. Claire Heddles of Jack's today. I want to thank you so much for being with us and sharing this with the whole state. Thank you. Really good to uh, have that. And folks, if you haven't voted yet, make a plan to vote. Maybe you're waiting till election day or maybe you're voting by mail. However you like to vote, go out and vote. And thanks for listening. That is our show. The Florida Roundup is produced by... WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville, and WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz and Natu Tway are the producers.
1: WLRN's Director of Radio Operations, and our Technical Director is Peter Metz, Engineering help from Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels, Isabella Da Silva, and Geo Garvin. Richard Ives answers the phones. Our theme music provided by Miami jazz guitarist Erin Libos at erinlibos.com. I'm Matthew
0: Petty. And I'm Melissa Ross. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody.
5: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through ABCFWS.com.